Unfortunately, it seems like many people think that being a man or woman of faith means that we always look the part. That if we're really living for Christ, then we'll always look as if everything is great, we'll always talk about spiritual things, and we'll never speak about things like questions or struggles or doubts. But the problem with this is that very few of us, if any of us, are really like that. We all have tough days. We all go through periods of doubt. We all face unanswered questions. And so if we cannot be honest about those things, then our relationship with Christ will always be superficial and fake. But one of the amazing things about the Psalms is it teaches us that God doesn't want that kind of relationship. He wants us to be real with Him. To be honest about our issues. To reach out to Him, even in our fears. He wants us to come to Him in honesty and with faith. This is what David did in this wonderful Psalm, Psalm 13. So we're going to read it together. If you want to get your Bibles out, Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. For he has been good to me. A couple of Wednesday nights ago, in our Bible study, we were sharing with each other about our favourite Psalms. And it's great to hear about the different psalms that have spoken into people's lives and, and have become their favourite. And many of those psalms that people cho- chose as their favourite psalm has also impacted my heart as well. But for a number of years, this psalm, Psalm 13, has been my favourite, or one of my favourites. I can't remember when this psalm jumped out at me, or why, what the circumstances were, But I think I just love the the simple structure of it. How it moves us through honest questions to desperate prayer and then to an amazing expression of confidence in God. So the first section, it starts with four incredibly honest questions that reveal David's heartbreaking struggles. First of all, David felt abandoned. Will you forget me forever? He asked God. He felt as if God had deserted him. That God had forgotten all about him. That God was ignoring him. And I think the second question is quite similar. David asked, how long will you hide your face from me? 
David didn't only feel abandoned, he also felt as if God had held back his blessing from his life. He could no longer see God at work in his life. And as a result of this, David was really struggling in his thoughts and in his emotions. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? David's thoughts were dark and negative and pessimistic. And his heart was breaking with sadness, with distress, with unhappiness. And the end result of all of this is that David felt as if he was going to be defeated. How long will my enemy triumph over me? David doesn't tell us who this enemy uh, that he's thinking about is. Maybe it was King Saul who treated him as a traitor and for years desperately tried to kill him. Or was it the, the leaders of the other nations who wanted to defeat him? Or was it the members of his own family who wanted to depose him? Or maybe it was something else like illness, or sickness, death, or even Satan himself. But what is clear is that David felt defeated and overwhelmed. He felt as if he was losing the battle. That victory was impossible. So here are David's struggles. Abandoned, he felt abandoned by God, cut off for God's blessing, overwhelmed with negativity, in despair, and trapped in defeat. And I think if many of us are honest today, we can relate to this. Because we too have felt that sometimes God feels so distant and uninvolved in our lives. Or we've wondered, why has God not stepped out into our lives and helped us? Or we've had sleepless days or sleepless nights or distracted days when our thoughts and our emotions are just dark and negative. And we've often felt maybe that our life is just a mess. And we're just getting nowhere. But I think there's another aspect of David's struggles here, if you noticed. Do you notice how David started each of these four questions? The same way. Same two words. He asked, how long? How long? How long? How long? And I think that's what was the hardest thing for David. It wasn't just that he fell on his own, or in despair, or in distress, or, in, or defeated. It was that he'd felt like this for so long that it felt like unending. It felt like it was everlasting, that it was a permanent place. I think at the start of a problem, most of us can, res- can uh, muster up enough resolve to, get, to keep going. Maybe some hope for better days. Maybe some faith that, that God will step in miraculously and sort it all out. But when it keeps on going, on on and on and on, with no end in sight, 
I think that's the real test, isn't it? That's the real struggle. I know that some of us here this morning know how that feels. Because we've been waiting, holding on, pleading with God to show up in a situation for years. Maybe for a loved one to come to faith in Christ. Or for an illness to be healed. Or for a relationship to be restored. Or for a a bad habit to be broken. Or for somebody who's attacking us to repent and for that that, that relationship to be reconciled. Or for a church to grow. And the longer the years go on, the more our heart aches with the cry. How long? So I don't think many of us are going to be surprised about about these struggles. But what might be a little bit more surprising is that David would say such a thing. Because David, he was an amazing man of faith. When he was just a young guy, he stood up against the nine nine feet high brute of a, a soldier called Goliath. And he said this, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. What an amazing man of faith. He's also the one about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He's also the one who could write such amazing psalms like, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And yet, this man of faith, This man who loved God so completely and who knew his love and care in his life, he still had times in his life when he felt abandoned by God. For me, that tells tells me that it's okay not to be okay. We shouldn't be surprised if we go through times of struggle in our life. We shouldn't be shocked if at times God feels distant and uninvolved. We shouldn't panic if we feel down and defeated as a Christian. Because even men and women of great faith experience times when they're just not fine. They're just not okay. Even Jesus felt like that. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to his disciples, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. But I don't think it's just that David was a great man of faith and and he felt like this. It's that he told God about it. I think that's the crucial thing. Some people suggest that we just shouldn't talk like that. That God's people shouldn't talk about our struggles. That we're supposed to be always upbeat. That we should always be enjoying God's presence. That we should always be celebrating His goodness. But here David just said it as it was. 
He wasn't rebelling against God. He wasn't accusing God of anything. He was just telling God how he felt. He felt abandoned, so he said so. He felt hard done by, so he told God about it. He was struggling with his thoughts and his fears, and so he shared them openly with God. And the Bible contains that level of authenticity on so many of its pages. You could think about Job in the depths of his despair. Or Elijah in his depression sitting under that tree. Or many of the prophets and all of their questions about what God was doing or not doing. Or Paul sharing openly about the emotional toll that his ministry took on him. The Bible records again and again the honest struggles of God's people. And it encourages us be honest and open about it. So David wrote, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And Peter wrote, cast all your cares on him, because he cares for you. I think most powerfully of all, this is what Jesus modeled for us on the cross. Using other words from David from Psalm 22, Jesus cried out in honesty and openness, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God doesn't want us to be fake or superficial. He doesn't want us just to to play a part, to put on a mask of piety and look like somebody who's got it all together. The one who sees very right into our very hearts and minds wants us to be open and honest with him. So David was open. He was real with his God. But being real was really only where David started in the psalm. He didn't stop just there. Because in the next section, verse 3 and verse 4, he cried out to God in three petitions. First of all, David felt like God had forgotten him and hidden his face from him. And so he pleaded with God, look on me. And he also felt like God had stopped responding to him. And so he asked God to answer, O Lord, my God. And then thirdly, he'd been just overwhelmed with pessimism and sorrow. And so he asked God to give light to my eyes. Which might be a request for wisdom or for a clearer perspective to be able to see things clearly. Or even just to be restored to to good health or good life. And verse 4 shows us, verse 3 and 4 shows us that these petitions came out of a really deep sense of need in David's life. Look at what he said. He said, you ask those things or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. David was desperate for God's help because he knew that if God did not respond, his life would be under threat. And the enemies that had been attacking him would be able to celebrate their victory over him. This is a desperate require, a desperate plea for help. But this prayer didn't just express David's desperation. It also expressed David's faith. 
Because that's, that's because David asked God for help. Yes, he was desperately of help, but the one he turned to was God in those moments. He believed that God could hear him. And if God responded, it would make all the difference in his life. And that's what God's people are called to do when they're going through hard times. James, he writes very kind of to the point and direct. Is any of you in trouble? He should pray. There, there it is. Pray because we're in desperate need. And pray because God is the only one who can step in and rescue us from all of our troubles. Pray because we need help and pray because we believe that God can give that help. Again, this is what Jesus did in the struggles of his life, in his ministry. There's an amazing verse in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. It says this, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. That's real praying. That's not a kind of empty religious routine that we do just because we're supposed to. That's not repeating rehearsed prayers Because we think it makes us look good. That's desperately crying out to God. Because we need help. And because we believe that He is the only one who can provide that help. So David was real with God. And he told God how he felt. And he asked for help. But this psalm doesn't tell us if David received the help he was asking for. It doesn't tell us if David's circumstances were transformed as a result of his prayer. But it does show how David's perspective, the way he was looking at things, changed. So it wasn't so much the outward stuff in his life changed, but how David was seeing things changed. Because the, first, the last section of this psalm, verse 5 and 6, is completely different from the first two sections of the psalm. Instead of despair and desperation, this psalm finishes with an amazing declaration of faith. First of all, there's faith in God's love. But I trust in your unfailing love. David couldn't see God at work in his life. He couldn't feel God's presence. He didn't know what God was doing. But still he could trust in the reality of God's love. God's loyal, steadfast, unchanging, faithful love to his people. That's the love that Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 8. He said, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. What that means is that we might feel forgotten by God just like David did. But the reality is 
will never be forgotten by him. God's love is unfailing. So we can rest in it. And we can rely upon it. Even when we can't see evidence for it in our life. I trust in your unfailing love. And secondly, there was a, a celebration of God's salvation. My heart rejoices in your salvation. David didn't feel very safe or secure at that moment. He was struggling with sadness and with fear and with thoughts of the enemy triumphing over him. But underneath those emotions was the confidence that God would ultimately save him. So today we can be sad, we can be distressed over things that are happening in our lives. And God wants us to be open and honest about those feelings. But even in that sadness, we can rejoice in God's amazing gift of salvation. Because in His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade kept in heaven for you. It doesn't mean that we need to stick a plastic smile on our faces all the time. Neither does it mean that we should go around telling other people who are going through a really tough time just to be happy because God loves them. But it does mean that even when we go through the most difficult circumstances in our lives, when we cannot see God's hand, when we cannot feel God's presence, we have so many reasons to rejoice because of what God has stored up for us in heaven. Like the Apostle Paul, we can be sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. But finally, how can we do this? How can we keep our eyes fixed on God's salvation even if everything in our life and our circumstances look so bleak. Well, David finished this psalm in verse 6 by singing about God's goodness. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. David's immediate circumstances were terrible. But he could look forward in faith to what God would do in his life because he could look back in gratitude to what God had done in his life. And that's just what we've done in our time of communion together, isn't it? We've fixed our eyes on the cross of Jesus again. We've seen his unfailing love. We've been amazed at his sacrificial death. We've rejoiced in his glorious resurrection. And so we can say in faith, even in the darkest of nights, because we can trust in His goodness and His grace. I think this is what Paul was writing about in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? The cross of Jesus is not just the evidence of God's love for us in the past. It is also the guarantee of God's love for us in the present and forever.
fix our eyes on Jesus. A while back, I heard a podcast. I've mentioned this to a number of people. In which somebody said feelings are real, but not reliable. Feelings are real, but not reliable. And I think from this psalm, David would wholeheartedly agree. Our feelings, our struggles, our difficulties, our doubts are real. So it's important that we're honest with God about them. That we express them to Him and to others. And that we pour out our hearts to Him. But our feelings are not reliable. They don't give us an accurate picture of who we are or what God is or who God is or what God is, is or not, is not doing in our lives or what God will do in the future. So God wants us to continue to challenge our feelings. Question our feelings. So we can even overcome our feelings. So three simple lessons from the psalm. Let's be real with God about how we feel. Let's ask him for help in faith. And thirdly, let's trust in him. Because we can depend on his love. We can celebrate his salvation. And we can remember his goodness.